Hey there, everybody. This is Dr. T. Tavo D'Arcy of Crossbody Unity, and we're training leadership, those who have ears to hear. We're trying to hear God on the really good things, the quality things from other moves that have been passed down through history. That means ministers who stem from the origins of Africa on, and all of us really technically do stem from the origins of, of Africa, even Caucasians like myself, because I even wanted to make sure, so I Googled, as not really Googled, I really chat GPT AI in 2023 in the summer to say where do the where does the Caucasian race come from was it a white Jesus a colonial Jesus and I didn't think it was but it it is not officially I wrote a the AI the AI and I column about that as well the origins all come from Africa and so the bottom line is that if they moved around the culture you know, moved into different climates and different, you know, levels of heat and sunshine and different things went on. So that's the really origins. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the word submission in the body of Christ in ministry. The word submission was nothing to me except I knew that I was to obey. I was obeying and honoring my parents, my pastor parents, my family, the elders, the elders. I honor everybody, respected everybody, I check people's boundaries, I discern if I go visit a home, it's their home, it's not mine, so I don't try to take control, I don't act out, I follow the, you know, let them lead me. That same way if you go to a fellowship, a Christian ministry, whether they're red state, blue state, purple state, I respect everybody, because that's how I was modeled and raised in my home by good people. And the extended family that I recall were all, you know, genteel type people, business, but also ministry. The women had a ministry, had authority, but it was uh, not Levitical patriarchism. It was not Levitical matriarchism. No big I, little you ruling and dominating and, you know, little woman. They were Christians, but they were Bible Christians and they were not into the prison of law, prison of false authority. So I, by God's mercy, I was granted the grace, undeserved grace for this time, to know how it is to be respected and valued and cherished as a daughter, by, as a mild person who is challenged <laughs> along the way through the many years by demeaning dysfunction with people who said they were Christians. So it made me study them. It made me study myself. It made me go back to the values I meet in so many people right now, everywhere in Christianity and non-Christians. But I value real people who know the truth about really representing Christ in authority in their field, the Christian ministry, and their house, and their relationships with real respect. And that's where we're teaching on it. Because it was unbeknownst to me that there was a whole giant subculture brewing for me to discover the submission crowd of legal you know, Levitical law which I think out in the field goes back to the Mountain William school of theology back in the hills way back in the day for all of us were born and it was passed down I picture that authority like the, their forefathers their founding forefathers were up in the hills in the mountains 
and they were just in a, you know, probably poor, probably uneducated, undereducated, full of themselves, probably very gifted, of course, but had no big formal training. So they just got a hold of whatever came through town or, you know, the Bible and the history, but it was sort of lopsided to the, I hate to say it, the accuser law. Are you covered? Is she, he submitted? Are they submitted to the local pastor? That's a group, a giant group I didn't know about. <laughs> and it's mean. It's like the old history, you know, like you hear movies about it, the old Pharisees at the corner watching for the hussies and the short skirts and the makeup, that type of thing. I met it. I have met it. And it's now Big Boss. It's country, but it's gone esteemed and welcomed and just sort of set on a throne of its own ilk. <laughs> but it's all around the nation. It could be mega, mighty mega. It could be micro. It could be all colors, but usually the only ones I've ever noted it in that came after people and myself at times. Being pure, thinking I was submitted because I had a Honestly, I was raised in Ephesians 5.21. In hindsight, nobody trained me. They just did it. My pastor parents, my aunt and uncle were his pastor, my grandmother and grandfather, he was business, she had a ministry. But way back in, the, I mean, people right now, they do it everywhere, except for this crowd that is giant, that is very going after people it's a religious spirit demonic spirit or a false teaching that knee-jerk the old term christian knee-jerk religious reaction that is it and i spark it i didn't know that i was sent to identify it to know about it to train against it and not be under it but to define it for this new move god's new move right now which is more diverse they are not i am diverse and a history of that of being culturally diverse and I realize a lot of people raised under the law never knew any better so we have to forgive them and some of them have gr are great some of them are really great in their gifts their talent their caliber you know many kind of calibers as Christians but if you're gonna do it now if you're gonna dogmatically hop on people assert your false authority LP when you're not in their family their network their ministry you're not over them technically they don't go to your church they don't belong to you this is why we are saying it. it is the not the time for this in the atmosphere of today right now people it is totalitarianism authoritarianism which is not first church there are personalities of course training shortcomings I've got shortcomings and you know nobody's perfect we're all fallible but the idea that right now when it's so crucial so dire and still so legalistic that they can still if you go if you live in an area which I found out the hard way before Dallas because I had been raised civilly respectfully by parents who thought black people were equal and they're it was chain of command which is Ephesians 521 in hindsight 
the father's the head of the home, they're, you know, legally married, the father's chain of command, and the wife submits, but no one talked about it, no one preached it, it was just, that's how it's done, you know, you honor the partner, the, the Christian married couple that wants to please God and please the Bible, you know, re abide by the Bible, they just sort of walk it out in deferring, honey, do you mind? How are you, you know, do you, you love people enough because you have a reverential respect, a holy fear of the Lord? That does play into it. You're not the big boss. You're not machismo. You're not power playing. You're not, or you're not submitted little woman piece of chattel. Nobody. I've never been around it. So it's a culture. It's a culture, a superior culture. Uh, and as a once soft, I am soft-spoken by nature, very soft-spoken, and it took me this decades to get, figure it out, to not fear it, you know, being over authority, not fear moving out of Bible authority, my own authority. But God had to deal with me repeatedly and give me teaching and scripture about this. So for the sake of cross-body unity... One reason I'm this forceful is because they are also, this kind of crowd walks in the occult more often than not. That means targeting people, bullying people, jumping people in public, accusing people, false, you know, Judas type stuff, but also praying against them using false witchcraft occult. Really, it is bad. So that is a compilation, not one group only, this, of, a, of the fruit of the same style, Hitler-like, Big Boss and Ms. Big Boss that's out there. And many times it's good old boy systems. It is a cultish, you know, we forgive them, but we got to admonish, correct, and train people in this move that this is history, their history now. We got to have God now for the Bible the real Bible. There is a sake as, you know, teaching Father, forgive them the, what they know, not what they do. <laughs> and we do that. We've done that. But it keeps on going and it's affected ministry and the portrayal of Jesus at the local grassroots. Hebrews 10.25, when you want to go to church, you've had a rough year, a rough week, a rough day, you want to get with God and you're a lady and your husband may not go to church, or he might, or you're black, or you're just atypical, you've got a deformity, or you're overweight, or you're underweight, or something like that. This triggers it because they're itchy. Itchy to control. They've got its evil eye. Levitical patriarchism. So in my mind, the history of it would be, because I've studied it and puzzled with it, it's their ancestry. And it could be a passed down sin a passed down false teaching, a passed down impression. You know, get impressions in a culture of, oh, that's big, that's mama did it, daddy did it, the pastor did it, and they are into this, so they all look for submission. They're looking for it. Are they submitted? Do they go to the local, do they, are they under a local church? That's what got me. <laughs> no respect. They don't talk to you. They just jump on you or judge you or call you like the old-timey, Pharisee hypocrite. I always think of those movies back in the day, certain ones. Maybe, and I never saw the movie, but I remember years ago there was this movie with Robert De Niro called The Apostle. A lot of these people call themselves apostles and, you know, all that stuff in the local level. So I grew up 
having a little bit of fun, a little bit of humor, but also can read. You know, I have, I'm a musician. I have a good ear, so I remember things. You know, I do. But it built up, and the Lord said when he called me, being in ministry all my life, a Jesus person, got a call in my life from 18 on, hearing God, you know, after I accepted Jesus, he led me by the Holy Spirit and the Bible, and that's how I was raised anyway. Black and white, and God called me at age 24, 1976, to study the body of Christ. He said, it's going to be all colors, all kinds of doctrines, males and females, they'll believe the Bible, know their pet peeves, red flag buzzwords, music, and style. So I said, that sounds interesting, 1976, when it was calmer. <laughs> I didn't know all this stuff. But I was open, I was gentle, still am. And as the Lord allowed me, he led me around the United States, and it turned out in different seasons, I would be taken to moves that are now famous but weren't then they were started so it started with the you know Jesus people in Virginia and um, that type of thing and then charismatic renewal then it grew and there was word of faith that came into town the deliverance ministry came into town I was sent out of this state a prophetic came in a, a different kind of worship moves but I was not sent just there even though I had a ministry base and a family and I was walking it out in mutual submission and fear of the Lord in Ephesians 5:21 and 22 in my marriage and with everybody in the country, <laughs> anybody. And so I had been used, and the Lord had said, Tavo, one day I want you to do this so that you can build bridges of understanding between my people, the Christians. So I am. Here's the time. So back then, my history had been families were ministers with outreach, front lines, not famous and then I was called always led by the Spirit before I had my own official ministry the encouraging word starting in 1986 in Virginia which was area-wide preparing for now I didn't know it'd get a lot of ambush you know and you know twisting and additions and things like that you know but I knew it was a big call for whenever God wanted it so I was led around the town, and I had people, I was always dealing with African-American, urban-suburban friends, and, and I would be traveling to Florida many times, uh, South and North Carolina, Tulsa, the faith movement many times, to see things up close, organic movements. And then I was from Virginia Beach, and you know I lived in Metropolitan, now I'm back in Charlotte region, but 15 years before this, which were the biggest years by far spiritually and minute and for me personally dallas fort worth area 15 years all right you learned a lot so we go back to the lord what did the lord send me for this is a sent messenger ministry and i can tell you now it's rough it is a tra it's a prototype for presenting a doctrine as a sila not dogma, because there's so much out there that is dogma, and accusing an autocrat. That it's, I'm just offering it as a sila for those who need it, have ears to hear, can take it and then add to it, take away, dismiss it, see if it's in the Bible. It's Pauline. Pauline said, follow, Paul, Apostle Paul said, only follow me if I follow Christ. He says, work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. That means be the noble Berean, Paul called noble, that were 
the Jews who took his doctrine, his teaching, and compared it with the scripture to see if it really was so. And that is all I do. That's what I want. So we're putting it out there like spaghetti against the wall, like a tennis ball sila, which is my call, the tennis ball sila and vocabulary, to toss the ball into your court for you to hear God and then do with it or not do with it what he you know, says you to do. So that's what we want. So we're pro everybody. We're pro the big boss. We're pro the ones that think they're minus and the pluses. We're for the Lord to tell you his heart right now. And that's the true thing. When I'm teaching all this to go down through all this teaching and religion, contrived religion, pure-hearted religion, it is to hear the heart of God and to know what the Lord, the, who the master is, Christ and let him whisper to you his love and his direction and then go out and portray it as a servant leader and I will tell you this he ain't a slave driver a slave owner a big boss authoritarian cruel he's not a wife beater or a person who jumps people in public he is instead Jesus Christ the Messiah who respected everyone equally and you can read that for yourself in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John when he was alive in ministry and leadership. Was he like that, big boss and imposing? Or was he like you never thought he was because we never heard it? Was he like his father? And you can read that by reading Jesus for yourself online, in an app, in your comfy Bible. Well, mine's in my briefcase. I can't pull it out, but... The, um, you read Jesus Christ when he was alive in ministry, servant leadership around town, intermingling with his mother, Mary, the disciples, the Romans, the pagans, the fallen women, the fallen men, little kids. Read how Jesus acted and reacted in every relationship and you will find it is just so wonderful. You never knew that he was that non-controlling not in Levitical law this will help strip and still teach discernment of who and what and where do we really see organic first church portrayal of Jesus ministry fellowshipping with the Saints and good teaching including prophetic ministry office ministry so I want to say that we've done a lot of research. So I did officially, for the sake of everybody and myself, to tell truth as best I can. You know, we can. I went to at chat GPTAI of July 23 to say, was the first church all, that means all of them, leaders, Jesus Christ, the apostles, Paul, the fellowships, the offices, the families and marriage, were they all Ephesians 5.21? I said, were they all, that was the authority model, were they all Ephesians 5.21 mutual submitted in the fear of the Lord? Of course, that implies the women, you know, chain of command order for 5.22. But I'm saying the big thing is how about is this being taught? Was that true that all of them, were all trained to model servant leadership like Jesus, mutual submission in the fear of the Lord, even married couples and the church. It said yes. 
Then I asked Chat GPT AI. I said, "Well, then, where did the big boss come? I mean, then I really said, when did the authoritarians? Were there authoritarians and totalitarians in the first church?" And it said, "No." It said that came in after the influences of Rome and the Greek culture Hellenism came in. So what we don't want is false teaching, false authority, word curse authority. That's what this is. That's what word curse is authoritarianism and also the, the followers, the devout followers that are commanded by the top authoritarian controller or the ignorant shameful person you know shameless person is to say we want to get that purged out of the relationship out of the community that represents Christ in these little teeny areas in these big areas in the metroplexes in the cosmopolitan because it's legalism and it causes accusation it causes competition i'm you know superior you know self righteousness oh yeah they're not submitted it causes a lot of it is dysfunctional now because it's a giant idolatrous teaching it is bowing and scraping put on a pedestal that submission doctrine is a an idol almost all right it is some have called this before i came along somebody had called this shepherding movement the shepherding movement i'm going to tell you my history my history was never being around this at all this is all to my knowledge it is all primarily back under the law, Levitical patriarchism, matriarchism, king and queen, and spirit-filled Book of Acts. And see, I wouldn't raise Book of Acts, but I have Book of Acts. But there are different shades of this in Book of Acts that is not there. We want organic First Church Book of Acts, which is not big boss totalitarianism, but is humble, teachable fear of the Lord. All right, if you go into, let me demonstrate my portrayal from Crossbody Unity, our teaching on what is submission and who is submitted and who is not. When I had been raised so calmly, when I'm so polite, I sit there modeling all my life in respectful, abiding by the rules. If I visit your church, if I sit there quietly, I don't jump out, I don't control, I don't pray against, I don't do weird stuff. I'm like, oh, this is Jesus' house, and they're in charge. I abide by the rules well, on the property. They're governmental set-in-place rules. And then if I don't agree, I won't ever go again. If I do agree, I'll come back. But I, when I, I take off my own calling, my own mantle of authority, because I don't have any secret agenda. And that's how I've lived, always. But then you meet different divining psychic reading occult false authority witchcraft who accuse you for sitting there because of your look because they're false they accuse you for your vibe of being a witch and that is what I'm talking about that group of charismatic that group is bad it is big and it's big boss Levitical patriarch snakes in the grass shepherding gone wild shepherding movement all right with that going on how would i know god granted me a grace to protect myself called discernment of spirits when i was 20 in a baptist college in a bible study in the bottom of a 
the chapel and the Baptist college, it used to be a Baptist college, I just saw this scripture while well, we were having a Bible study. The guys and the gals were having a Bible study, and it said, discernment of spirits. No, I wasn't a tongue talker. I didn't know all, any of this. I wasn't against it, but I just never, you know, we were Baptists. So I, I said, Lord, that's interesting. I would like discernment of spirits. And so I guess I got it. But it was granted free undeserved it isn't the kind that looks for evil looks for flaws but these other guys do that but it has warned me allowed me god will just trigger you know like, you better watch them because i'll know it i'll just feel that scan i discern it as a gift from the lord for from the mighty god it doesn't spook me nobody's scared these people don't scare me but i'm concerned for these people their character their future, their Matthew 7, 21, 23, using false authority in the club of contrived control, which is false authority, accusing people. It is lawlessness. It is Matthew 7, 21, 23, which happens to be addressing primarily, it looks like, the book of Acts group. Many of you, says Jesus, he warns. This is warning. Many of you will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name cast out devils in your name do signs and wonders and all sorts of wonderful things in your name and the lord will say that day when it's too late to turn back too late he says out from you you who practice lawlessness which bible translates iniquity a passed down sin can get bigger and bigger iniquity but Bible's strong concordance, strong concordance of the Bible says it's called false authority. So Jesus says, out from me, you who practice governing false authority. Whether you're betraying, you are lying, false witness, you never confront them, but you control them with manipulation, with praying against, you know, stuff, ugly stuff. Defiling people ruining their reputation, orchestrating money pressure, psychological, spiritual, emotional pressure, undue pressure, force. Never confronting is a huge big deal, you know, avoiding. So there's too much to go into, but I want to say it is my attention and I call it to the basic, I call the basic Book of Acts people right now, kings and queens, especially in that move, to watch out. So I didn't, you know, I didn't know it, and I was prone not to control. That's the irony. I trigger controllers, Levitical patriarch controllers who will not speak, who judge and use false authority and divining to read me. All right, so we forgive them. I've forgiven them, but they're doing it to so many. God said on my journey from 24 till now, 1976 to now, when I did start to notice differences that were not all favorable to the Lord or to anybody... The Lord instructed me, he said, Tavo, as a prophet, the Lord said, Tavo, if I show you things, if I allow you to be in a situation when you're going there with a pure heart, just, you know, you're not a controller, you're going to go there to, because I'm sending you to study a movement, be in a meeting, go to a conference. Then he says, if I let you see something three times or more that hurts people or hurts my good safe name, 
three times or more different places, that is my sign to you, I see a lot of it. And I'm calling you to teach on it. That's why I'm doing it. He said, if you get hurt, which I did, because I wouldn't, I, I didn't know was treated, I've never been treated, disrespected. I was never prayed again, you know, and I wasn't hurt all the time because I watch them. If I know they're divining me, I know it. And so I'll just start studying back, and that's why I can teach on it, because it, it happened this much. It's so big. Charismatic, prophetic, white. Are they all like that? No. Don't even dare stereotype or judge a person. You know why? Because they're similar styles that move in the spirit and are joyful, and, and, and they may look strong, but that doesn't mean you are doing it or they are doing it. The dysfunction is the fruit you meet that matches the caliber of Paul's teaching of 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, lovers of themselves primarily and everything under that in that scripture. The other part is there, here, and there. It can be the other from such turn away, low quality fellowship. That would be Paul in 1 Timothy 6, 5 that says, if the leaders are beguiling and, you know, big gifted talkers, but they're measuring you, males or females, they're measuring you that you don't have money, you're not blessed like them because you don't have money, get out. So we have. But you have to qualify. You don't want to see everybody. Because I could go, I like a mega church. And I like one that has a lot of energy. I like one that has a lot of, you know, power and the Holy Spirit. But it's the doctrine out in the stands that I am very very aware of, very sensitive to right now. I can't even go near a divining fellowship. I can't go out because they will read me. I trigger it. I trigger it after all these years. I can, I know it right away and it's my protection, but it is also sad. I can't go now and get in good worship often. So I go where they are quality. They're pure hearted. They're not biased. They're not misogynist. They're very cross-racial. They're open. Males and females are equal. See, all this gender stuff is in this giant dysfunctional crowd, the LP, which is into submission. So you are a pastor. You're a pastor, female, male. You are still into it. If you are not doing it the scriptural first church way, which is everybody's equal, you are not over people that are not in your ministry, which is what happened. I got to tell you. All right. So I've taken up a cross to do this, you know, and God has been with me. I've gotten more joyful. I've got more peaceful, more calm, more confident, you know, and more authority to deal with this false religion. So I was raised in hindsight, but also knowing my scripture that you walk into a meeting, you're sent to a meeting like anybody. You want to go to, with motives that are pure. You want to go find more about the Lord. You want to get edified, comfort, strengthening. You want to music and, t you know, a touch from the Lord and fellowship. That is all. No other agenda. Okay. You don't want dysfunction. You don't want people just bristled and looking with their super gifts, their seer qualities to say, all right, let's look for one more. You know, they look like a Jezebel. That in my research, comes down from the whelp Western European Levitical patriarchs who came over on the Mayflower, who came over in New England and Plymouth Rock and settled, and not all of them did this. They were quality founding fathers. We honor them. But within their ranks, there were the patriarchal false doctrinators who had occult bias, misogynist, 
demonic against women. They held later. They had the Salem Witch Trials. LP, Salem Witch Trials. It was in the bathwater, emotionally and doctrinally, in their midst of that kind. They even had a thing where the, uh, you know, they wrote Nathaniel Hawthorne, the Scarlet Letter, and I note that as a well uh, property characteristic. They never accuse the man. It's always the woman. It goes back to the Pharisees who caught. See, the Pharisee tone, you can tell it. They caught you. They love to catch the women. They love to catch people. All right, or hear this, you know. Oh, yeah. All right, they're not submitted. You know, that type of tone tells you about it. So in the Bible where Jesus had, was sitting there and the female was thrown at his feet, the woman, the woman caught in adultery. And the Pharisees were all men, a cluster of men standing around just waiting with their stones ready, The you know, bloodthirst. So they're going to trap Jesus. What will Jesus say? Can we catch him? Because back under the law, it was a law of God of the Torah to stone people caught in adultery. So they were ready. They were eager. And so they had caught this woman. And then I noticed... They didn't catch the man. He let him off. A Levitical patriarch is boys will be boys. Like Levi and his two sons who used the women at the door. Levi did nothing. It's boys will be boys culture. All right. And it's all big boss and, you know, little women and all this stuff. So I noticed a trait of a culture in ministry. I really did. Then I went down to the deep southwest and saw it big time firsthand. That's what prompted all this, really. Dysfunctional. All right. So Jesus Christ was tested. And here's what I love to share this. God told me this. You know, Jesus Christ was sitting there and, you know, he wrote in the sand. They said, here's this woman. We want, you know, she was caught in adultery. That's how they do. And Jesus was calm. We note how he acted, what he said. I like to go back and paint a picture. Jesus wrote in the sand, and I go back to, I think it's John 5, where Jesus said, Jesus was quoted as saying, I do nothing until I first hear the Father say it. I do no, I do, let's see, I do nothing unless I first see the Father do it in my spirit. I say nothing unless I first hear the Father say it in my spirit, then I do it. So I picture that Jesus had needed time when he was surrounded with all those biased misogyny, all those anti, you know, Levitical patriarchs. He was, it was pressure, ministry pressure. He was one, they were a crowd. So Jesus was waiting for the Lord to tell him what to do, even what tone of voice, how to act and react. So here's what he said. They caught the woman, the lone woman, they caught her and they threw her down ready and then they said, well, Jesus, what are you going to do about it? And here's how he answered. He said, well, which one of you have never sinned? You cast the first stone. And they all, it got him. Something that Jesus Christ said in that short, brief term, God had told him to say, got him and pierced him to the heart. You know why? It is my opinion submitted opinion that when Jesus said it the anointing on those words touched them and they each triggered their guilty conscience how many all men all ministry men in a group together had never ever one of them ever not committed lust in their heart 
fornication and or adultery even more than once some of them so when they heard that which one of you have never lusted committed adultery or fornication then you cast the first stone they knew they couldn't so they all skulked away and that is the sign of levitical patriarchism it's about all the women and it really is weird let me say this kudos to you men christian charismatic prophetic black white and brown my daddy my mama all the people in my family all the ones i would hang with now even at the bristol felt thank you for being honorable and not like that that you're not misogynist you're not dominating you're not false religion like that evil so we are shocking them to stir up thought for good teaching and truth and representing of Christ so I'd say that if I could pick a combo of ministry effects today in the dysfunctional evil eye witch watching crowd who put a person's name on the list I was told this in Florida and I knew it already I confirmed in Tampa when I spoke in 2003 that people these groups I spoke at a meeting I held a conference, a prophetic conference of stirring up the gifts, and the pastor afterwards said, this is Tampa, Tavo, you know that group, that group, charismatic group, keeps a witch list in their national headquarters. And I thought, I, so pitiful. I thought, my thought is on that to address it. Did these people, did you who keep a witch list ever talk to that person? Did you ever know them? Or did you just read them? Or somebody gossiped about them? Did you who did that and defile them and ruin their reputation and black, whatever you do to men or women, black or white, did you ever submit, Christian charismatic, did you ever submit to humility and confrontation like the Bible says twice? Matthew 18, 16, 15, Matthew 18, 16, go and make a private appointment and confront them. No, if you're scared, take somebody with you. That's Matthew 18, 16. No, nobody's ever talked to me. All right, I'm talking back, though. I know my Bible. This is about many people, not me. This is about a principle. It's about a false witness crowd. Paul says also, the mouth of the Lord is confirmed in two or more witnesses, meek. Did you ever, according to Paul, meekly make an appointment call them up officially get your secretary and sit with them privately and respectfully and meekly confront them or tell them they're wrong no it says do that says paul so that the sin doesn't come on you even more that you don't have the same thing on you eventually i would say to this two more things this is failure to do that, to read somebody with your skill and refined style, big boss style, to read somebody, never know their heart, their character, their theology, like they do me, the non-famous me. They're minions, them, whoever. It's just so bad. It's so pitiful. It's pathetic, not prophetic. That's what I'm teaching. For the sake of the Holy Spirit and the Bible and the other people are not like that. All right. If you were to say, I, I caught you, I saw you, had a dream about you, see the whelp in the Salem witch trials used spectral evidence. Spectral evidence, you can Google it, it was they had dreams, impressions, nightmares, and visions as very subjective stuff, and 
read their vibes and they said all the men all the white men said they're witches and then they killed them that is the spirit of totalitarianism and false occult combined in witch watching today accusing levitical patriarch cult spirit cult spirit totalitarianism so we go back to that we look at before that i can briefly think well where did that come from and then i have a friend a, a fellow at the um, barista fellowship well-read historical fellow and he was saying he reminded well did you know tavo about the monk who held the anti-woman the witch inquisition of women in the catholic church and he wrote a book that's very famous called the i think it's maleficus maleficorum has the word male in there anyway it's called the hammer of the witch with all that latin in there but you can look it up it's on amazon i thought wow god is line upon line this stuff so we got the the north coming down combining to the charismatic patrician move papal move we got the old-timey new one magazine when i was in college i got you know as a christian on fire for the lord so I remember getting New Wine Magazine because the charismatic movement was brand new for all this. And I was I loved the theology. I went to see one of them, Judson Cornwall, when he came to town. He was at an Assembly of God. I went over there off campus. He was fine. But later, their doctrine got off into Levitical, all white men, all white Levitical patriarchs over everybody and very totalitarianism, very country law. So those people are gone, I'm sure, but I didn't even think of that, but I quit getting the magazine because it was wrong. I knew it was off. I'd lived in Ephesians 5.21, mutual submission in the fear of the Lord. Everybody deferring, and if they disagree, the father's the tiebreaker, the head of home's the tiebreaker. And right now, let me interject, because I understand single, even though I don't feel like it, the rudeness and mean snaky and suspicious bias against a female by herself do you realize that a single woman a single man be they white black or brown a single parent is the head of their home they should be respected equally grandmothers I've known grandmothers that have raised their grandchildren everyone it should be equal with no bias because it's a loss to the Christian community it's a loss to the God Jehovah God it is it's a loss to the safety when you think of going to fellowship with the Saints it is all toxic false teaching all right so I believe in submission and I am submitted to each one of you as a Galatians 1 1 and 2 an apostle not sent out by any one group or any one person, I and the brothers and sisters that are with me in fellow ministry out in the field collaborating as a resource. And I officially am officially Ephesians 5.21 to all of you. Mutually submission in the fear of the Lord. Unless you're mean, unless you're a controller and you're undermining me and false. <laughs> but I'll respect you anyway until proven guilty. <laughs> the issue I would never have thought to think about in a Christian sense to think of anything this demonic i really wouldn't <laughs> but it's affecting your neighbors it affects people it affects wanting to go to church why do you want i don't want to go to this kind of stuff in fact it's pride paul 
told me to get out, so I did. But I don't quit fellowshipping. I don't stop there. I don't ruin their. I don't go around gossiping about them, and I don't ruin their reputation. I don't put them down. I don't word curse them. I don't pray against them like they do. But I know the truth. It's pretty wild, it really is. Thank God I know Jesus and I love Jesus. So I can, you know, right now I am extra sensitive about when people read me, divine me. I was out of Dallas. I've said it before. Fatigued after 15 years in the middle of COVID. I come up here. They had just stopped the COVID. I thought, I'm going to find me a place. And I had, I didn't know it, but the warfare and hell and just the depletion was so big. I was exhausted, you know, just from this, you know, PTSD almost because I needed a good place where I could go home and, you know, meet people and have a, a community. So I tried it out and I went to a place that turned out to be Levitical patriarch, matriarchism. And I gave them, you know, I'm a very fair person. I don't hold it against them. I knew they probably could be, but when I went there, I thought, man, the, and that you know, means divining people, reading you, not speaking, not communicating. They're weak, you know, weak. Because I'm very open, very transparent, approachable. So I was there and I was sitting there. I went, I tried it for a while. And I respect them. I'm not mad. But it's the boys, you know. It's very discouraging that you can't go now as a person who happens to be a female dressed in her earth suit of a female for people to look at you and dismiss you or fight you by praying, you know, weird stuff. That's sick. Isn't this sick? Or diagnose you with pop psychology. I say it to get alarmed. I get, I'm not mad at them, but I'm saying, I'm saying this is so big around the nation for many women who are real people, real people who happen to be women or males or the atypical kind, get this demonically defiled by this, even, excuse me, invisible realm. I'm passionate for this, to have it delivered, really. So I was sitting there, long story short, and I was sitting there talking before a meeting to one of the women there that was a person in their fellowship, and I was sitting there as a visitor, a new person. And all of it, and I thought, oh, good. I feel so, you know, happy to be here. I feel love. I feel, you know, it's going to be good. So when I was sitting there, all of a sudden, this other person comes by, a female comes by, and I know I've been scanned. I can feel it. Uh-oh, I've been scanned. I've been divine. They, When you get divined at this stage, it's this late stage, I think that means you are a suspicious type to them. They are reading you, divining you. And accusing you of being up to something I read them back so I start watching immediately but I didn't say a thing to the other person the female so I sat there thinking it's very it's very offensive it's very disgusting it's very dysfunctional so I was sitting there no I'm being defiled or being suspected or accused by the white witchcraft going on the programmed set-in-place witch watchers I call them bless their little tons of fun hearts <laughs> they have no I have more joy I think that stirs it up maybe I have a, a riot I could be a riot because I have a fun time usually so anyway I'm sitting there and they get scanned I went oh no how disheartening just for showing up I want to get in with God where it's good so then I didn't say anything and the woman next to me that was there she said Tavo do you realize 
we're watched, we're being watched, we've been scanned. And I went, yep, I knew that. That shows it ain't me. It shows it's going on. So anyway, after a while, there were so many of them scanning me. And there were good people in there. Uh, I could have handled if they just be if they would be nice, you know, real Christians. <laughs> but I'm making a bigger deal. I'm making a big deal to teach through this and to cause attention to that. This is big boss. Now, let's get to submission. My daddy in heaven set up a plan for the future church, which is right now. He set up a plan, and it wasn't all white. And it wasn't all one kind of culture of Christian over everybody. I even asked that of chat GPT AI as well. I said, was, did, in the first church, was there one group that God appointed over all the gates of every city to be over all the rest of us? Was there one group or one person over all the other ministers? And it said, no, that they ruled by consensus. And I would take that to mean the word consensus was for the community of apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, all the elders, everybody who then, in the book of Acts days and times, prayed and fasted, had a relationship with the Most High God and signs and wonders and Holy Spirit just moving and communicating, book of Acts, but they weren't divining. They were not seers who were so elite and, you know, high and mighty and self-righteous. They were not accusing. They were humble. Let's talk about that. If you want to go into submission, there's two kinds. The kind with no holy fear of the Lord that says, They're, we're over all of you. She's a female. She's our property. Better watch it. She's unsubmitted. Keep track of her. Let's put her on the witch list. All right, there's that kind. Never dial it. They don't. They don't know any females who are not, like, maybe their mom was bad. I don't know. I'm on one. But they don't know enough in the Bible to say they don't know God's heart. To think that is a human person, not an it. Not a misogynist stereotype. Not the witch and warlock we hope it will be so we can feel proud of ourselves. That we're victims again. They're trying to take our famous cult over. That's how bad it is. That's what they're doing. So I had plenty of years to study and think about it. I'm in a breakthrough. I don't have to deal with these people. I really don't. I'm starting a new culture, you know. No, everybody keep your own culture. I don't want you under me. I just want to be here for availability. All right. So in light of submission, here's the rules. Cross-buddy rules, all right. You are not under this person. You are not over this person. This is Galatians 1, 1, and 2. Not sent out by anyone. The group says he won't be big boss controlled or owned, you know, uncensored. I have accountability. I will have more when I know more people who are not false. All right. So submission is from this means that you can be the queen and king over your domain, your life, your family, your ministry. However, when you gather with somebody else, you are going to be Ephesians 5.21, which is mutually submitted in the fear of the Lord. So if you visit somebody's house, their home, their business, their church, their ministry, their cell group. If you are not over it, you are then to submit in respect and discern the boundaries 
be loving, be fair, be not controlling, don't jump and interject your opinion, don't take over, don't undermine, don't sabotage, and you're submitted. You're submitted. When you leave and you go back home, you're on your turf, you get to call the shots, you get to be over everybody and all that, all right? So there's the basic common sense that's not under the law, it's life in society, you know? Now next, when you sign on, if I, let's say I was in a county, a rural county when I found this out, I had been in ministry all my life, decades and decades. I had my own ministry on the town before the false teaching came, or I, I moved out where they had the false teaching of shepherding control, Levitical Patriarch, my first big experience, and occult, the witch, it was this move of the spirit, you know. So even though I had a board, I had a family, I had pastors in my family and mama and daddy were alive, you know, parent, well, aunt, my, my dad had died, but my mother and aunt were pastors, my sister, who, they prayed for me. I was, account, you know, I mean, they were not watching out for me. They were not dysfunctional, but you have prayer warriors. There is no covering in the first church, no covering. There's chain of command. There's submitting to the authority you're under. And there is prayer covering. Also, God's love covers a multitude of sins, ignorant behaviors, errors, and omission for all of us. All right. I've studied this. Therefore, if I were to say Tavo, and then Paul says, quickly let me add, Paul says, work at our own salvation with fear and trembling. It is not my business what you do and where you go and who you say you're under or believe that or not. That is your theology. It is not my, I would not do that to you. Have your right before God, all right? I'm not over you because I'm not going to say it is your call because you stand before the Lord and I do by my, you know. So if I were to, so what happened was I was in a place where they taught out in the field that they were, I think this was it because I heard one of these because I used to try out churches, you know, as a person, a friend, and also I had some persecution, you know, family abuse going on, private abuse, and I love the Holy Spirit. That's why I went first toward worship. I'd been in the Word and knew the Word, but and what? But I'm not against wonder-working power. I'm against control and evil, dysfunction, devil stuff. Right? But I didn't know this depth of the doctrinal, basic bathwaters of charismatic, prophetic, patriarchal. I didn't know that till now. So I went out there, having been in ministry, had a board, had people that were in a, like board members, accountability, and family of ministry all my life. No issue. Had my own ministry around town on media. No issue. I moved out where that doctrine, critical spirit, critical Levitical doctrine was enshrined in it. And it, I believe it ties in with a book by an LP who's now up in heaven, C. Peter Wagner, Levitical Patriarch, who wrote Fuller, you know, and nothing against him. I'm not, I don't, never read the book, but I know how people take people's teachings and ruin and do with the, what they want. They can ruin, make the look, the person look bad. So I'm not going to, I honor C. Peter Wagner. But there was a book, I was there at one of these meetings, charismatic meetings, and they opened the book. <laughs> And they started to tell that it looks, it sounded to me that there are certain apostles, chief apostles in the gates of the city 
that are over appointed by God over everybody else in ministry. And that gives them, entitles them to know your business, know my business, to read you in the spirit, to spy on you and travel, perhaps, if they really go too far, which they do. A lot of them do. And they take it for granted. They know more that they're over me because I'm not a Levitical patriarch, and I never was. Or they think, because I have energy, and I do, I'm French Huguenot, and I'm passionate, but I'm, I'm powerful because I've had to, to stay alive, but not a controller. So they have faulty, faulty issues, dysfunction. So I was around the county, and I did notice that they disrespected women, white women. There was always a woman, I noticed at their meetings, there was always a woman that was the villain. Like one lady was an older lady. I was younger at the time. This lady was older, and she was an intercessor, but they had a big thing about that. And she would, she, I think she was triggered that they focus on the villain. Well, I wasn't the villain till later. <laughs> if I, but not everywhere. See, they're mean. That's what they are, and they have ought against women. My mom, my mom had a friend who was younger, my age or younger, not my age, and she was a single parent of three children. And a strong lady, but not tough, but just strong because she had to be. She's fighting great odds. She taught school, but she also shot deer to feed her family. Very skilled and strong and smart. Well, that group, the club of them, the handful of them that were all in this Levitical Patriarch country, critical submission, you know, that group, they did not like her. They kicked her out. What did she do? I knew her. She was, it's, they have a, big bias. It's country law, dysfunction, and then anti-woman, whatever this is, a spirit. So we forgave them, but I thought, you know, that's just one kind of crowd because they could have talked to me. This is what bugs me. That spying, Carol, low caliber of dysfunction reads you, will not talk to you, will not Matthew submit to Matthew 18, 15, Galatians 1 to 1, they jump you and accuse you and then savage and trash you and put you on the witch list. I don't think black people do that because I had black people that I, board members and friends, do they do that? I don't know, but they never did it to me. It's all my skin color, the Phariseeism of the occult, usually religious right type all the same kind of doctrine all male leadership like I said it's ornery males it has nothing to do with me I respect men I think patriarchs are different from the Levitical patriarchs Levitical patriarchs are my nightmare patriarchs and matriarchs when they're fine, are really good quality anchor people, which we need and beloved. And they're stable anchor breadwinners, usually calm and sensible. It's when they get false doctrine or ego involved or demonic that makes it worse. So I would not go back. When I got up here, I did not. I did not want to go. Right now, I do not want to go near any kind of patriarchal charisma, any kind of disease dysfunctional church, because I will know it because I trigger it, and I had to really get strong. Um, if you don't know that you're being prayed against, that you're being targeted, and you have oppression and depression, you've got occult issues. People are, because there's a lot of this demonic stuff, even the women and men, their prayer people are trained to do it. 
So we're fed up and we're trusting the Lord to say, you deal with, you know, God is just going to move on them and he is going to show up in his holy habitation if you think you've got a church. You call yourself a church and you're doing that, white witchcraft, you are not there. It's, it's either going to be cleaned up or gone, or either your history. I believe that. Why would God want, in the day in which we live, when it's so late that everybody needs to get in a Jesus' house and feel safe and not occult spied upon, which watch managed, false authority abuse, it's abuse. Those people will not process. Those people, it makes you suffer needlessly, because they they're in. They're really. That's why I'm teaching this. A lot of it has to do with celebrity and one person, one style, seated on the throne in people's minds in America today. In this culture, it is a thriving giant and gentrified, well-run and well-moneyed operation. Many operations, mega and micro. So we don't want, we respect humans, but that is defeating the cause because it's treacherous to people who are not just like them, Levitical patriarch, because they can read you. They will read you. Yep, that must be another enemy of ours. It's us against them. Isn't that, isn't that strange? I think it's really strange. Why? Why would it be so big? It's evil eye. So we're just coming out. But anyway, submission to me is not like that. Just read Jesus. See if they're like that. All right. Get your Bible out. Everybody look for the office prophet Christ. In Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, it says, In the old days, God spoke to us through His through the prophets. The prophets of the Old Testament that were craggier, signs and wonders. You know all that. Elijah, Elijah, Obadiah, Jeremiah. Too many to name. But nowadays, it says in Hebrews 1-2, nowadays God speaks to us through his son, Jesus Christ. So if we're going to say we're a prophet or we use prophecy and we're going to model prophecy, we have to talk about Jesus, how he acted and reacted to everybody. He wasn't a celebrity. All right. I would go back as far to say, everyone get your Bible out and dig it out for yourself. Isaiah 11, 2 and 3 is the first picture, one of the first pictures of the, the foretold prophet, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. It said that he would be filled with all of God's seven spirits, the book of Acts without speaking in tongue manifestation, but he'd spill with all might and power and counsel, the fear of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord, all right? And it would make him, because he was filled with it without an ego, without divining, without false religion, without machismo. He would be filled with the Holy Spirit. It would make him, he, was, he loved the fear of the Lord, and it made him sharp of discernment. And, Isaiah eleven three, he would not judge, that means accuser, judge, he would not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor make decisions based on what he heard. He would not listen to gossip, believe the evil report. He had quality pure heart, caliber of character and life. So read Jesus in his Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John walking it out daily in the town with people and see if he was a misogynist, was an evil eye, was a wonder worker, was a, you know, what kind of prophet was he? Because he respected everybody and he valued people, not just targeting them as objects or his people to serve him, you know? 
I want everybody to do this and pass this around and really get this going. Teach it out there. You teach it. Go ahead and teach it. If you have a question about it, if you think my theology is wrong, hey, that's fine. You hear God for yourself. This is that bad, and we need the Book of Acts, Holy Spirit. This is why it's charismatic reform right here. Cross by the unity. We can have it with tongues or without. We'll still respect you, get along. And we're going to teach out everybody how to notice the dysfunctional Pauline watch out for fellowships he mentioned from such turn away red flags give you ideas to teach on and think about and then want to repopulate hope to repopulate saying I want to go to church I get to go fellowship I don't have to go I want to go and that's how I've been I like going I've always liked until the demonic travesty of time wasting toying with people religious you know domination dark doctrines came after me when I would go on this journey to discover it to discover it and I it recognizes me when I had a pastor a prophet pastor apostle a small you have know, a smaller church but he had been on the front lines of ministry in the Dominican Republic and Nicaragua where they had Honduras devils you know he cast them out he was a Pentecostal I was not at the time and so he he uh, was like an advisor friend and so one day he said, because he edited my TV show, I actually had an editing TV show as more, you know, professional strength looking back then, not a queen, but just, you know, doing, trying to be better. So back then he edited, and one day he just said to me, Tavo, never be afraid when a demon starts to manifest. And I went, whoa, because I was a Baptist, you know, I didn't know about that, but I always wondered. He says, never be afraid. When a demon starts to manifest, I said, why? He said, it's just a sign. It's ready to come out. That was like 1999, 2000 in Virginia. When I started to note that I walk in and Levitical patriarchism, critical spirit, Levitical pastoral that is in that sanctuary, if I walk in, it manifests. It knows me. And I could be upset, but I'm not. I think, oh. I just think, oh, it's a sign it's ready to come out. So when all these people, all this stuff, Levigo patriarchism, big boss, machismo, unfair Phariseeism, targeting a cult has happened, or I get divine, you know, I trigger that person that scans me. I trigger the scanners if it's there. That means they are it. <laughs> I just look. I think, mm, it's manifesting. I'm here. Never lets me, you know. It must be a sign it's ready to come out. I got their deliverance ministry. I've got a pastoral ministry gift to deliver of this one kind. If I were hyper-conscious of it all the time, which I'm not, I would not be as merry, pure-hearted, relaxed, joyful, comfortable. This spirit is not contrite. It is very contrary. It is very opposite the Christian nature of accepting the beloved. All right, let's go down submission as Paul would say it. Paul said mutual submission in the fear of the Lord. Everyone equal. Mutual submission, chain of command. All right, family, marriage, church. Then he says in Ephesians 4, aiming for the goal of the transformed community later in the chapter that affects society. 
this is why I'm doing it. Cross-body unity is for that. Affecting society. Not a personal goal. Not a separatist goal. You know, we got to have our... No, this is teaching collaborative community led by the Spirit. All right. Destiny. All right. So Paul writes how we do that, all of us, in leadership, lay, and beyond. It says, Paul says his teaching, we are to walk it out in meekness and lowliness and long-suffering, endeavoring to keep the bond of peace together. Everybody, trained, doing it, leadership, lay, authority. Walk it out, he says, in meekness and lowliness and long-suffering, endeavoring to keep the bonds of peace together in humility, in unity. Endeavoring means it's going to take work and forgiveness and sticking with it and getting along and figuring out how we do it, how we operate in that, how we operate it. And if we disagree, which is going to happen, and it must happen so that we're never cozy and relax, you know, that we got to always make sure we're on top of it, not just PC uh, placebo, yeah, we'll take any old doctrine that comes down the line. That's why. It's a reason why God says, work out your own salvation. Don't follow me unless I follow Christ. Know me, know my doctrine, know my lifestyle. That's Paul. Be a noble Brian. That's Paul. Because he knows how big it is for eternity. So then we got to go to the next part, keeping it like a family, a diverse family in ministry. After that, we got to figure out what about false teaching? How do we handle it? What about people who are really wrong in our opinion, or they think I'm really wrong, or you're really wrong? How do we do that and keep the bonds of peace, endeavoring to do it without compromise, without endorsing, without controlling, without shouting down bullying to get your point, which is not easily entreated, James 3.17. That's what we're working on now. I have people that I get along with very well every day in ministry, black, white, and brown, a lot of people. But every once in a while you get a person to remind you, I've met two people in the last two weeks that were like separate Christians, you know, younger, not younger in age too much, but really uh, a good caliber of person, human person, a very nice person, a very quality person that is well-read, but really, really strong-willed and really, really off in their doctrine. And that was my challenge, because I'm easily entreated. I don't believe in, you know, you're wrong, you know, coming across, because that's immature. It's also unskilled, you know, just not knowing, a bit dysfunctional. So, but I respect each one, because they, our hearts are pure. They, they're doing what, see, all of us could be so heart pure. We think we're doing right, but we can be valuable, but wrong. And that reminded me to be careful, but it reminded me that there will never be everybody who gets along. It's up to us to figure out how to be respectful of them. If they disagree with us or we disagree with them, how to treat them as equal. And, you know, even if they're not mature and even if they're really off, because one of them who is a very very nice person, very well read, but not, had taught himself for 30 years, taught himself only, never went to church as one person he listens to online, and was wanting to ask my opinion about theology, because I'm always around, you know, talking about the Lord and the Bible. So he asked me to sit 
and to chat theology. And I thought, all right, you can ask me questions. When we got going and talking on it, it turned out he was really a book-learned person, but whatever book he got it out of was really, really off, you know, really off, but not evil, not satanic. He was just really a, of an opinion that was so deep that he had it etched in concrete. And I saw that. I thought, I can't do this. You know, I'm not going to argue about scripture. I'm not going to get into that, but I respected him. And I thought he's very, very honest and loving and nice gentleman, you know, but very set in his doctrine. And then I met another one the following week who was in a different place and he was similar. And I thought, all right, one thing is I am a mature minister. I have caliber and character. I have a mature minister. I'm not a sheep follower or a shepherd. I am a, an authority. And that is what people that are younger or people are mature in ministry or that I'm not famous is not good for me in a healthy because people are not respectful to a female. This kind of female, because I don't come across pushy. I don't try to come off as fascist. I don't come across as celebrity. I just try to be the local person that is an authority if you need it. I picture Paul like this, a Galatians 1, 1 and 2 Paul. I picture Paul back in the day as being there in the marketplace at a table like a barista fellowship, Starbucks, Panera, somewhere like that, there for the community. If they needed something, they could come ask him, make an appointment. He could go visit. He could chat with them, collaborate, because Paul was not sent to just one kind. He wasn't biased against any kind or any race or religion. He was there as an opportunity to collaborate, pick his brain. And then later he did write special letters in his field to the different churches. He prayed for them. He gave them good authority teaching. But it wasn't like we see with Big Boss. He wasn't the Big Boss. You know, Apostle Paul had been the Big Boss. He had been a well-meaning LP back in the day when he was Saul. He was the LP spirit of the Saul spirit, which is the same thing now, stuck in its way, stuck in its root, stuck in its law, stuck in its big ball. You know, I'm going to override you. I'm going to persecute you. I'm going to accuse you. I'm going to murder you because that is the same religious spirit that was on Paul, Saul, before he got delivered and was Paul when he got delivered from persecuting the Gentiles and the and the first church he went and he was sent to the gentiles and the first church but he was paul transformed unified to the holy spirit the power of god the book of acts and he wasn't moved by the different flavors he was moved by the lord he was not moved by the different races or by the different personas or personality he was moved by the lord and that's how i try to be that's where we're working that's how i operate to the best of my ability with God. But it's the dysfunction and false teaching that has made me read the riot act like this. It is the dysfunction. No character, no love. No, no real re Why do you want to be in ministry? To have it all? Why do you want to be in ministry? To be the focus of attention? To get your gift out there? To get promoted? That's it. That's it. So God is good. His mercy endures. We're starting a new Bible college and a new leg of the journey. Thank God. 
I'm relieved. I get to have joy. And I love to go where I can worship. I love to go and I like to work out. I like to dance. And, you know, just to be with the Lord is what I like. So we're here if you need to chat, if you need to, um, we globally give advice, do theology. I don't have time to play time with all this big boss stuff, but I will deal with you. You are a big boss. You know, nothing wrong with your persona. But we're not here for time-wasting or theological uh, nitpicking and, you know, finding fault. And if you got a covering issue, go research it yourself because it's not in the first church chain of command is. If you got a little woman thing, a big boss, authoritarian, hey, I'll work with you, but I'm not going to be disrespected. You know, this is pathetic. It's character, humility, walking it out in the meekness and long-suffering of the Lord, endeavoring to keep the bonds of peace together in humanity, humility. That's what this is. So we're here. Mutual submission in the fear of the Lord is our turf. I'm submitted to that. God's whole counsel. Last, I'm just going to put a P.S. All right. When you're teaching of authority and dealing with Levitical patriarch and flamethrowing and all sorts of spying on people and reading people and uh, putting your witch list together and you're, you know, jumping it, it's just travesty, it really is. For character fruit, it doesn't align with the Word of God, or the fruit of the Messiah or Paul. So, one of the reasons I'm this tough not really tough in general, you know, as a, but I have a heart of God, but I'm passionate for the houses of the Lord. The zeal of the Lord is this. Not a zeal to get my way, not a fascist leader, not a religious right, not a club. It's the make people safe when they go to Jesus' house. Make them want to go to Hebrews 25. Let them know who Jesus Christ is. Well, it goes back to me researching i went i needed to research all the jezebel chapters all the witch type stuff first you know because they were always accusing this one group this empire group is the only one that does it but i love the holy spirit and they're owning the wells that's what really got me i can't you can't go anywhere to get in the worship book of acts much so i just got big on studying. Is it me? What do I do? What have I done? I'm sitting there and that's why I'm translating my behavior, how to do this, how to live it out on both sides of the preacher's aisle, the stage pulpit and the audience. Everyone role model James 317, the wisdom from that comes from above. Don't accuse people and read them by your vibe. That's self-righteous. Assess them, evaluate them with a pure heart based on how well they resemble the wisdom that comes from on high, the wisdom from above, which is Christ, God, <clears throat> Jehovah, it says that fruit is, I would say it happens in relationships, respect, it models pure, peaceable, easily entreated, full of mercy and good fruit without partiality and without hypocrisy. See how well you do that. The word easily entreated is what I mentioned. That means when we disagree and we're going to, how are we going to act? Some other person, not myself, said you do it in a way that respects, but you do it so it preserves. Do your best with all your might and power 
to preserve community, which is Ephesians 4, the transformed community. That doesn't mean compromise. That doesn't mean just be greasy grace. That doesn't mean you endorse everybody. But there's a point. You don't come to word cursing, reviling, accusing, plotting, slimy behavior. And I ask for the record, all those TMZ videos that are up there now on YouTube, monetized to get money off the mocking the prosperity teachers started this. Making money, the new form of prosperity, <laughs> and I'm not against prosperity, not against the individuals, because I know it goes on with people who take that original core message and beat it and make, you know, do make money off of it. We're not thinking about that, but I'm thinking it's the using of video that's monetized to make money and profit for your ministry by bashing, showing their faces, names, houses of famous people. That's the part. It's these people that are making money off it. Bash for cash. Naming and defaming. Demas for dollars. My term. I've written TMZ articles about it. So I asked about it. Here's the point. Dear chat, GPT AI, summer of July 23. I say the date because who knows what they're going to end up doing with these AIs. They're trying to make a new Bible and, and redo Jesus, you know, make him evil over there, somebody in foreign nation. All right. But right now I'm giving you a date on it when it wasn't tampered with. All right. So I said, dear chat GPT AI, did they have... Did they have, uh, like I said, one group over all the rest? No. It was collaboration. It was like mutual, everyone praying and fasting, consensus, governing, and appoints. I said, did they, this is the point, did they, did the first church call out and revile and lambast the false teachers and prophets and apostles of their day? Here's what it said verbatim. It said, dear Tavo, no, it didn't say dear Tavo, it said, in the old first church, they named the false prophets to the community, but they did not name them and revile them and lambast them to everybody. They kept it within the community. So I don't know if you're going to do it right now, but that's what it says. That's why I do not. My point in reviling and calling people name and, you know, character assassination and tabloid journalism of the Christian community I would say first, did they ever confront them, Matthew 18, meekly, Galatians 6, 1, and confront them if they've got issues with them? Or are they failing to discern the, body of discern the body of Christ correctly, which means they could bring down, a, invoke a curse, two curses on them, God's wrath for doing it, be ill, die young, which is Pauline. Did they failed to discern the body of Christ correctly, maturely, because they had false doctrine themselves. I was raised simpler before now, and I grew up when TV media started. I had my own ministry, and I'd moved to the county when all this started, and that's when the people were taking the famous preacher and starting to model them, copy them, do it like them, get their business card, get their 5013 seed, get their all this stuff going, which I did too. Some of the, you know, did a lot of stuff because we just, it was new. We thought it was God. I remember when they came through, Charisma Magazine started, and people started to get around the nation, put their pictures 
in the back of the magazine for their conferences. I don't even read that kind of magazine now, but that was the big thing. Everybody thinks we got to do this to please God it's right because it's the new tradition and it will get us to our global ministry. And that's how this famous stuff started, my opinion. So I can remember that. And I remember that it was just the fed of the, you know, the new thing and it's gone wilder and wilder. Not all bad, not all good. But now it's gentrified that move. So now all these people, I remember back then, what I'm getting to is in the small area, not metropolitan, not cosmopolitan back then, but it happens anywhere. It was the fad among the more country law preachers, small preachers, to call everybody a false prophet. Oh, you know, they're false prophets. Yeah, they're false prophets. They're false apostles. Yeah, and that's still right now. And I didn't do that because I don't, you know, I understand. You got to be very careful. And it's also braggadocious. It's a lot of small small egos, low esteem, you know, it ties in with being a need to be a big shot, low opinion of yourself. But I didn't have that. I don't know why I should, but I don't. I don't have the low opinion. <laughs> but the idea is God gave me that as a grant through this life to just have the grace that I can forgive myself and, you know, know that I'm just a human passing through and he's matured me, needed to do it. He'll keep on, you know, I just want to keep on the journey to the Lord. That's what we're looking for. So the idea is a lot of people can go around making a big famous name, pitching their high horse, getting a lot of money coming in, making speaking engagements, brewing up the pot, the witches brew for money, when really they're the ones with false doctrine or they're needy or they've never even, you know, they don't know about any kind of conf uh, talking to, to them. Same goes for witchless people. And the last, this will be the last. All right. One of the reasons I'm making a giant stir intentionally about dysfunction in the Christian community is because I've really seen it and I didn't know how bad it was. I wasn't raised like that. I know a lot of people aren't raised like that. It is giant. It's massive and it money makes money. It's making money, big money. It controls the book of Acts and the United States. It's so big. But, however... This is not them. I've got to teach how God is showing me to do it. And it's open to you how you feel this fits you or not. After all this, I'm trying to point out the differences in first church, how they organized, how they governed, and how the Lord says to govern and what's not true and what is. I do this because God has fashioned me into a Galatians 1, 1, and 2, an overseer, which is an apostle, first church, you know, an apostle, not sent out, not sent out by any one group or any one per person, not to be bought, owned, controlled, micromanaged, or, or bought, you know, or censored. So I do that being bold to be this different, to be this bold, but not dysfunctional, well thought out doctrinally and called, challenged to be different, you know, prototype get you a role model if you need it you can tailor it to you and God and the Bible so we have that but we have it's the call of a lampstand this is a lampstand overseer but let me say it in Pauline terms lowercase letter off scouring of the world like Paul who never made a capital A 
even though he was a chief apostle, a doctrine originator, which is this. Not a table waiter, but a doctrine originator. So Paul said, I'm an apostle. And it wasn't puff, puffery. It wasn't brag. It wasn't like, oh, I've accomplished it. Oh, I'm an e No, it was God fashioned him into it with off-scouring. He was the off-scouring kind, the dung of the world apostle, because of the abundance of the revelations. And that is this. That's all it is. And he and I are submitted in Ephesians 5.21, mutual submission to the fear of the Lord. And everybody, out of respect, because it's right. But, however... When I was, ha when I have to deal with the Jezebel crowd, of, it is a Jezebel spirit, a warring totalitarianism, praying against, and you feel it, it's an occult spirit of witchcraft. Then God has given me scripture. One of them is Revelation 2, Church of Thyatira, to the top lampstand leader, overseer, whom God has set in place and is being challenged and defamed, defiled, and by dysfunction of a Jezebel controller in the ministry. The Jezebel controller was a female named Jezebel. And Jezebel was fierce, teaching false doctrine, having a lot of influence of the wrong kind, a controller. And it was not the Jezebel, funny, that God was not fussing at the Jezebel. Now today, a Jezebel could be alike that Jezebel, teaching false doctrine, controlling fierce, mean, really... To, you know, wrong kind of authority could be male or female. Okay, back then it was a w woman, and her name was Jezebel. And then she was teaching it's okay to fornicate, okay to eat food for false idols. However, the rebuke comes in Church of Thyatira, Revelation two is not rebuking the woman, the Jezebel. It rebukes the top leader overseer for being a weak cowardly wuss and letting that tough person scare him so he doesn't confront her having to be a her or a him and set her down so we can go on in that and I will so the Bible says Tavo to me why do you tolerate that Jezebel teaching of occult witchcraft and defiling false religion that's like a Leviathan, Python, ambition. Why do you tolerate it? And I said, I don't. Doesn't bother me. I'm confronting it. That's what you're supposed to do. If you have a big boss, if you're being confronted, confronted, I mean controlled in your home, in your church, in your own ministry, business, by some individual, some unique individual sent there to stop you, to wear you out take your stuff if let me caution you now you don't do it lightly you take some real prayer and getting right with God make sure you're hearing right you take time and pray and then if God tells you when to go what to say basically and how you do it and because we live in weird days extreme days if you need somebody with you that is what I do and wanted to do when I'm avoided, you know, they're snaky, they don't always let you confront them. But the Bible teaching of Church of Thyatira is big for right now, for many people. Alright, it says, why do you tolerate that false person, controlling person, demonic person in your ministry? Alright, or a false teaching, which I'm teaching on this constricting 
collaborating movement of Jezebel, the Levitical patriarch spirit shepherding and matriarchal as well. So why do I tolerate them? I don't by confronting them and teaching to not name their name, not defame them or defile them as people or lambast them to get money off of it. But I'm doing it scripturally and calmly. If I had been allowed to speak and get to know them, I could have talked plainly, but I don't, you know, they avoid. They can control like the snake, you know, Leviathan, Job 41. But I learned from this that in the church of Revelation, Revelation 2, Church of Thyatira, the principle that the LP will avoid at all means and links is something that we need to train these on, and it's mentioned, really, by its omission in Church of Thyatira. It says, why do you tolerate that Jezebel? That means that he, could be a she now, put off Matthew 18, 15, or 16, going to confront them in person to set them down. And they also omitted meek Galatians 6, 5, Galatians uh, 6, 1, that says, make an appointment, politely, firmly correct them, and do it in a spirit of meekness, but firmness, lest you yourself fall into it. That's why I've got to do it. So that's why I do it, and do it out loud. If I were one that was sad, a victim, poor me, I would lose my mirth, my joy. I have a lot of joy. I'm just really one that likes collaborating. As the, you know, I'm all fivefold offices. As a witnessing evangelist, I like to move around. I don't like to be stuck. I like to be moving around, being led of the Lord, of course, divine appointment style in this ministry. But I like helping people. I like serving people. I have a lot more than this I can I know about. But this dysfunction has been so big and so directly targeting me, it has made me have to pull back to figure what in the world is going on to fight it, not the people, but the spirit, the demonic spirit that demeans people so that I can get out there on the front lines like I need have needed to been. But I'm not for, I'm not for, um, I'm not in for, I'm not mad, I'm not revengeful, but I'm not in for time wasting or being sabotaged. And that is why I have to put it out in a strong form. To let it know, when you're an apostle, when you're an apostle, the Lord calls the person, male or female, black, white, or brown. And he says, I want you to go do this, but I want you to go to this location or that location. And then after you get there, the apostle, the head person, is like planting a colony. They're commissioned by God. And they will go there not knowing the atmosphere of the people in the land, but also the, the you know, realm of the spirit in the land. And even though this is the calmest and the most respectful, nicest ministry people, big people around here, I like it. There is never, I've never had such a giant a spirit of occult and witchcraft as I ever had in this place. But Dallas, at least they're not mean. I, but I learned it. I paid a price. I learned a lot of this that helps me now in Dallas and before that being abused, you know, by dominating big individuals. I learned the principles of standing up to this witchcraft 
firsthand by just needing to know how to do it without dying, without being killed off by it, being sorry for myself. You know, I'm not. So God is good. He's the only one. And when nobody else, when they're all in their pristine palaces and put upon easily because they're the only way, the truth, and the life, even more than Jesus, he wasn't like that, then you just collaborate with God. God is collaborating with me and many of you right now. He is, he is our collaborator. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Many people say, you know, the Bible says you'll run and not get weary, walk and not faint. Those who wait on the Lord, he renews their strength. And that has been me. That is me. It has been tough this past month. This past few weeks, I've had it really rough physically, you know, just financially. But I'm not sad. I'm not scared. I had just the prayer need is prayer protection. Just getting the go ahead release to go out and do it in the area in this region build something grow something do something have a site you know a, a ministry that is noticed even on media more and a presence more out of the blue that spirit that old spirit somebody stole the office computer and the computer was one thing but they stole my time energy and all the stuff was in the computer bag was checks and every check had the routing number I had to go get all sorts of big deals starting over with the new bank accounts and then they made mistakes and the new all this password it was just a whole month like three weeks or four of one thing leading to another technically financially but it wasn't as big as God is moving upon this minister through the midst of that difficulty, extraordinarily weird, I've been having more joy. I've been having more peace, more, more people, more nice people. You know, starting the new lease of the new leg of this journey, God's leg, not mine. And I can tell you, I can only look forward to it. I really want to get more into the Lord himself, Jesus, not this false teaching stuff. But this has been winnowing. I had to do this. I had to get this strong or I couldn't. The control is so big out there in Christian ministry. I cannot believe the powers of dysfunction leveled at the common believer, leveled at this nation through the false teaching of this church. I cannot believe it. And I had to get not moved on it. I had to get completely free of it where they can do all they want to do. All I, and I'm going on and on, I know it, but all I can think of every time is that this person has an Elijah, a form of an Elijah move on it. And the Elijah move was put upon and put upon by the false prophets in the network of Jezebel and Ahab. And those prophets would get triggered and those prophets would start to dance and leap around and cut themselves to make their God move. The false god. But Elijah kept on going. And Elijah could have been killed. Because he was just worn out. And Elijah came. Because he wanted God's whole national move. And Elijah. Was unselfish. He wanted God's move. But Elijah was confronted. And put upon. And spied upon. And prayed against. And targeted. 
over by the tough, really tough false prophets network. And it was because they wanted their turf. They think they were, they thought they were the king and queen of the turf. They wanted their move, their turf, their money, their power. They wanted their move. God, Elijah wanted God's move. That's the difference with me. Last, there's a form of Elijah type in Kings where it's Elijah and the 850 persons against, and, you know, Elijah and the false prophets of Baal. But there is the book of Luke 117, which is more me. This is the kind I'm welcoming in. And many of you know this, and many of you are doing it better than me, you know. But I'm saying this cross-body unity is to be like an icebreaker, build unity, you know, and understanding of bridging people, God's people. But I teach as an Elijah. I can move in the gifts. I'm a prophet, apostle. I can move in the gifts. I really can't. But I'm more important, caliber, character, and relationship. Luke 117 says that the spirit of Elijah, Elias, the spirit of Elijah would knit the prophet, knit the generations together, the big generations, the fathers to the children. All right, in the terrible day of the Lord. So that is a, really the kind of Elisha I represent, but it's not a club. It's not exclusive. It's not white. It shouldn't be. It should be caliber, but it should be even keel, soft-spoken. It could be demonstrative. It could be a lot of different styles and flavors functioning in different facets of God's yoke-breaking anointing, and that's what we want. I want all of you, <laughs> anybody who's called to really function in the anointing of the Holy Ghost for yoke-breaking power, but it could be tiny, big, it could be mega, micro, it could be quiet, private, in a family, it could be in a giant mega church with many in the, you know, other churches under them. So this is not about myself or this person. It is about the Holy Spirit and the Lord in the last days. And you have to be, I've had to be very bold and courageous more than I would have ever, ever, ever dreamed, but it's worth it. God is worth it. I'm not worth it. He is worth it. He is so mighty. When I get into a part of my day, almost every day I can do this, a part of my day where I sense and feel the, the power of the Lord, I think and I feel the presence, the touch of the Lord, just that he's reminding me of himself. I cannot tell you that is something you can't buy. You can't buy or make it happen. It is God's grace. And that is a foretaste of glory divine, His glory. And that's all I want it to be right now. We want it to be His glory. I'd rather not do anything, anywhere, with or for anybody if I have to perform to make them get it. I will do it. Whatever God needs to be done and say it and go anywhere. If God says He wants it done, that's what we want anybody to do about connecting with myself or going to church, having a church, planning a church, staying away from a church, whatever it is, you do it. That is a principle that Jesus enacted at the wedding of Cana, his first miracle. He said whatever Jesus' mother said to him, whatever he says to you, do it. And that is all I want. That's all I've ever wanted. But they 
didn't believe me because they never knew anybody like this. They didn't get it because they never spoke to me. They wouldn't even let me speak. But that's okay. That's over with. It really is over with. And I'm letting you know I have moved on. But not just I have moved on. The Holy Spirit's moved on from that. God is good. Jesus is the only big cross. He's the only big cross, not me. And he carried the cross for me. He carried the cross. i got to keep my focus on that. God bless you. He loves you. Remind yourself to read the core teachings of the Bible. You can look at the website our, my friend made. Uh, it is thebibleisessential.com. Make sure you've really are ready. That you're, you're believing right. You know, you need to know if you're really ready to meet the Lord or your Savior. If you know how to do it, you've already done it. You're really true. And that you'll know how to train from it. You can use it as a gift. It's got a lot of resources. Everything's free to links to other teaching. You know, make sure you get your complimentary teaching. But it's a resource to pass along, spread, teach from, post, wherever you want to do it. Thebibleisessential.com. God bless you. Bye-bye.